weekday. The Morning Drive, FM 96.3 and AM 620, WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. Curtin Anthony here on this Thursday morning and joining us now in studio. Man, we always love having the Rocket here. We learned about him last year. He's been on, I think, at least three times already so far, and he brings a lot of energy to the table. Hello, hello. Good morning, hello. Rocket. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing great. How's your How's your uh, 2024 off? It's off to a good start for you, Rocket. Oh, so 2024, let me tell you, I, I went to um, Tokyo for, oh, wow. for Christmas. Oh, hot damn. It was awesome. And I so I went to the Putney School, and a couple of our my classmates live in Japan, and one of my classmates is moving to Australia by way of France. And so we all <laughs> rendezvoused in Tokyo. It nice. was awesome. Yeah. New Year's Day, we're at the airport to leave. Oh, sorry. New Year's Day, there's an earthquake in Tokyo. It was pretty bad. Well, that's right. Killed yeah. about 300, 400 people. The day after New Year's, we get to the airport to leave. And the Coast Guard plane that was going to go help survivors of the earthquake hit the plane that then caught fire. I don't know if you saw that news, that yeah, huge yeah. airplane that caught fire. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was at the airport. My flight, that... my flight was about to leave two hours after the fact. Oh, my God. So what ended up happening, and that obviously was a tragedy for the Coast Guard members and a yeah. miracle for the passengers of the Everybody survived plane. on the commercial plane. I remember Incredible. That. Yeah. And, um, and for us, it just turned out to be this great blessing because we, we got pushed five days. And so, you know, we were supposed to be there for eight days. We were there for 13. Nice. And, you know, the first few days when you go overseas, you're adjusting to the diet, to the water, to the time zones, all well, those things. And that's a significant time change. Right. Yeah, it's all, it was almost 12 hours probably. Uh, 14, yeah. 14 hours. Yeah, yeah so it's upside down. Right. And so then, and so we got delayed five days, but the trip was twice as long in some ways. And Hot damn. It was awesome. I mean, the Japanese, they... They live differently. <laughs> That's what well, I've got though. to say. They live well. The food is great. Mm-hmm. The air is clean. They're all. It's interesting because they're very like quiet and respectful. They're not. You know. They're not like us. <laughs> yeah. No, I've had friends. I have friends that say, if uh, you know, you've got to. You've got to go to Japan. Mm-hmm. Once in your life, you've got to go to Japan. Right, and you know, and and this is. For anyone listening, I, they may not be able to, they don't know what I look like. I'm of Oriental heritage. My, my family's all Korean. Yeah. It's interesting because when I went to Japan, mm-hmm. it turns out that I look more Japanese than I look Korean. Oh. And this is according to the Japanese as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like- so, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And, and you know, I, but I grew up very American. You know, mm-hmm. my dad was born in St. Louis and I grew up in, I was born in LA and, you know, I've lived in Vermont since 2007. So if you just heard my voice like i guess people are doing now you would not necessarily think that i was of a different ethnicity than sure, white right and uh and nor would i you know i'm kind of like the jungle book kid you yeah. know except with whites <laughs> 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 but you know going back to the the east let's say the far east out to japan it was really interesting to see you know a bunch of people that kind of looked like me but behaved in a very different way yeah and it was beautiful i thought wow i mean i think when i was younger i i always thought that it would be cool to be white because that's kind of what I grew up around. And as I get older and more comfortable with myself, I say, like, yeah, I mean, wh- whatever. We are, all are who we are. It doesn't make a difference. And it has allowed me to really embrace 
Eastern or different cultures in ways that I may have shunned previous. You know, like when yeah. you're a kid, you don't want to be like your dad. No, you want to so be. You like, want to be like everybody else. You want to yeah. be like your friends. You don't want to be. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. yeah. You don't want to be what you what you see at home. Yep. And then you grow up and you're like, well, I kind of am in some way. So and 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 you kind of you kind of embrace it exactly. And okay. so with that kind of guard, as I'm as I'm growing into myself and that guard falling, I was able to go out there and just really experience it as it was. And I feel like they've got a lot to learn from us in terms of creativity and innovation and just that free, beautiful, strong spirit that we have. And I think we have a lot to learn from them in terms of just being uh, respectful and mindful and clean. And, you know, it's it's an exchange. It's very cool. Now, we're talking to Rocket. If you have a question for Rocket, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. And uh, Rocket, before we get in, Rocket's a videographer, and he has done this series of great... uh, uh, gone into communities and done these great videos, which mm-hmm. goes to restaurants and stores, and they're really cool. And I can't wait to hear about Thanks, the, the latest one. But before getting into that, though, mm-hmm. he also is in politics, and he That's is true. on the Hartford Select Board. So first, I have to ask you, did you have you made a decision? You must have made a decision because it's coming up town meeting day. Your seat would be up, right? Are yeah. You, are yeah. you gonna? Have you had enough, or are you <laughs> are you uh, gonna go for another one? You know, it's been a really big debate, and and I put a public word. I just said, hey, I'm thinking about my service. My term is coming up, and I'm thinking about whether or not I should continue trying to serve my community, right? And I and I really think that running for office, I mean. It's an interesting phrasing. Like I, I sort of think of it as offering myself to serve. So, select board is a great honor to serve your community, but it's a lot of work, and it's not like you don't carry that. They don't carve that glory into your gravestone or something, right? Like you're really just <laughs> there, in my opinion, to serve. And I really think you should do that if your fellow citizens feel like you're a good person to serve. And so, just because I've done it for two years, I don't feel entitled to that seat in any way. I think that it's just something that we should just. Offer ourselves up and say, hey, if you would like me to keep continue spending this much time listening to your emails and reading your emails and listening to you in the meetings and giving the best, most reasonable votes that I can, then I'm willing to. And the, the question for me is, am I willing to? Right. <laughs> and, and it's not just that. It's also that, you know, I definitely plan to stay in Vermont. But the question is, um, as I finished law school this semester in May, do I plan to move to another part of Vermont? I mean, there are Chittenden County's got a lot of energy. And be, me being 32, it's nice to be around some of that. Um, Northeast Kingdom is just like the the essence of peace. <laughs> so it, and it sounds like it sounds like you are not running, maybe. Well, in Addison County, let me just say, it feels like just like home. I don't know what it, what it is about the sunsets. Oh, of, Anthony like, I mean, and I, I both grew up in Addison County, <laughs> yeah. so we know that. Yeah. yeah. So so no, I mean, so I've given this a lot of thought, and and the paperwork's due on Monday. What I decided is officially last night is that i am going to run oh wow all right and i and i actually it's i'm you know i feel a little bad i thought you were maybe gonna say no the way i was uh, you were no, talking I about had, it too. Twist. <laughs> he had me he had me you know no he's taking the playbook is out of nikki haley you start with <laughs> start with one direction and yeah, then right. 90. Keep, <laughs> keep us keep us that's how you sail you're an attack in the wind i i think um no i mean i think that i don't have a I don't have any tangible plans to move elsewhere in Vermont. I, I, there are so many parts of Vermont that I love, and I my concern about moving would just be that I don't want to volunteer myself for a position and then tell the community, "Hey, I you know six months in, I'm deciding to leave." Right. right Good right, luck. Right. So I, I just want to make sure that I honor that exchange mm-hmm. because I don't have any tangible plans. And White River, I mean Hartford is an awesome community, and it's so interesting in the sense that 
it, it is a bit of a microcosm of Vermont in the sense that we have, you know, we have folks who are blue collar folks who are been there for 200 years. Yeah. And, you know, their families have anyway. And, and then we have Queechy. You know, right. people who are just second homeowners who are there a couple weeks a year. Yeah. And we've got everyone in between. We've got the Dartmouth community and the Vermont law community. So it's a really great mix of people right there. And also, Hartford is no more than an hour and a half drive from 90% of Vermont. And I, I, I really do love that community. So uh, I think I'll stay there and offer myself to serve again and just try to do a good job. But I also think that your, your, um, your message about civic service is one that is inspiring and in, and I think it doesn't have to be a lifelong mission and I think I think Vermont in particular was always designed that way not just not just on a local level but a state level sure. or you know different people from the community mm-hmm. step up for a, a period of time mm-hmm. and it doesn't it's not a career and and I think that more people particularly now I think more people need to be involved in that mindset because it seems like right now the group that we have in Montpelier in particular are talking about full-time job and all this other stuff where you're like, I'm in this community. Mm -hmm. I'd like to be part of it. I'd like to help. If people like what I'm doing, then they'll vote for me. If they don't, they won't. And, and then there's somebody else. You don't think that you own that seat just because you want it for that term. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think that's a healthy way of looking at civic, uh, I appreciate that. I mean, for me, another way that we call politicians is public servants. Right. You are supposed to serve the public. And and I think it's tough because I will say when you sit in these select board meetings and you know you're on air, I mean, they broadcast the video of what, so you can see yourself on the TV and you say, okay, well, this is going out somewhere. Yeah. And you have people in the room and you're behind the dais. Like, there's a part of it that you actually feel very vulnerable right? People coming in and criticizing you and saying, you're not listening. I sent you this email. You didn't do this. Or where have you been in these meetings? And, or, you know, there's a lot of critique and you do feel like you're constantly being exposed in some respect to a public attack. Mm -hmm. Now, And I think what happens is that your instinct is to put up the shield, but then when you put up the shield, all of a sudden you can start to really insulate yourself and, and, it, it turns into like an egotistic project on accident. Right. So I think there are a lot of really wonderful people that are actually trying to just defend their hearts. And yeah. then, but the outcome is that there's a little bit more ego in it than I would like to see. So uh, that for me is something that I'm trying to model, at least for myself, that, hey, I, I want to continue to be vulnerable. And how, even if that means I got to apologize more than I'd like to. But I think like that should be the act of service is just to say, listen, someone's got to get up here, make the like, tough decisions or be in the middle of an argument or be criticized in the public, you know, and it sucks when the newspaper writes about you in a negative way. It sucks. But I do think <laughs> uh, that I, I can verify that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're just going to take a quick two minute break. Uh, the right McKenzie on. Country Classic Hotlines open. 888 We're checking for local talk weekday mornings. The Morning Drive News Talk WVMT. We heat up. We can't cool down here on the morning drive on Newstock WVMT. We're continuing our discussion now with Rocket. And uh, Rocket has, um, would you call it a, a little announcement to make? No, it's not quite not an, an announcement. announcement. It's, it's kind of what I guess we would call juicy gossip. <laughs> we like juicy gossip. <laughs> about, well, my, about my, I mean, as we talk about my public service, um, you know, it's... It's not been lost on me for a lot of my life that I have the personality of someone that is, you know, a media personality type or a, you know, public servant. I mean, it's the type that gets up and talks, right? 
you, you guys like that. I like that. And for me, it's like the idea, the opportunity to tell stories that help change people's minds on things or see things a new way. I think that's very valuable uh, in, in society. Now, I'm not sure I do that well. That's the, the aspiration, let's say. One of the things that I was um, thinking about for this year, though, and I've thought about this for a long time, and it's a decision I made to not do, which is to run for an office higher than select board. You know, people say that oftentimes you would start local and you, mm-hmm. you know, cut your teeth and learn the ropes of it. What are all work the metaphors? Work your way up. Yeah. Work your way up. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I would just share you guys, share with you the juicy gossip of the thing that I, the office that I was thinking about running for that I chose not to run, decided I was like, well, you know, this is a bit of a stretch. All right. And I thought, do you, do you want to take a guess first or would you like uh, to guess? Sure. Let's guess. Um, I'm going to say, well, the obvious guess would be the legislature, sure. uh, but um i don't know maybe you were shooting higher than that well yeah okay uh, i'm gonna say you maybe you were thinking about lieutenant governor all right i am gonna say with um coming on the home stretch of graduating with a law degree yeah uh and i would my my logical thought process was the same as kurt i was initially thinking oh you're gonna run for senate or or house but i'm gonna say attorney general Oh, AG. Wow. Okay. Uh, neither of those. I was thinking about running for U.S. Senate against Bernie Sanders. U.S. Senate? Whoa! <laughs> okay. I, okay, Rocket, yes. you have to be careful because the, there's, there, is, there is something known as the Sanders mob. Uh, oh, I, I know. And, and this no, is, I'm kidding. I'm oh, well, trying to be But now hold it. Let's, let's talk about, though, yeah. what, what, you decided not to, but let's start. What, what made you think about taking on Bernie Sanders? Obviously, that would be a huge race. Yeah. Well, okay. So first off, let's just say nothing is impossible, but it would right. be immensely improbable. <laughs> so I have no delusions about that. And I also believe there are people who are loyal Sanders fans. And, yeah, I, and to meant. some extent, I have a great admiration of him and respect for him, certainly of being consistent in his messaging and some of the stands that he's taken for sure. So I, I can understand that. And I also have been in the position where I've heard someone else's dreams or aspirations, and I've been almost offended by how big they are. <laughs> okay. So well, I then. could see where someone would have the same reaction to what I'm saying. But let me tell you why I thought that this might be uh, a, just a, a thought exercise. First is I think that we should all dream as big as we can dream, right? I mean, this country wasn't built by people who didn't dream, right? Right, And pe- people didn't come across oceans to live here because they didn't dream, right? We, t- we always take risks to get to that next level of whatever society is going to be. I think that one of the things for me is that we should not think of incumbency as destiny. And even someone who is a legend and who would be expected to absolutely trounce competition election after election what can we actually have a reasonable competitive conversation i mean and and this is no nothing specific or personal to bernie at all but more of just this idea that democracy should be competitive there's this aspect of generations right i I don't even know if he's running this year right but i do think that some of the challenges that we're going to have to face we're going to have to face for a long time one of the things that i'm very passionate about and i know it's going to come up in conversation today is artificial intelligence i think ai is going to affect society much faster and potentially in much greater ways than climate change because climate change i mean it is something is happening that's undeniable, but it's happening in a cycle that is probably going to be a little bit slower than artificial intelligence, which is just racing through uh, at least the white-collar world for now, and then with robotics, the blue-collar world as well soon. So there's things like that where I feel like, um, again, not specific to Bernie, but just our government in general, 
did not, ha, I would say has not done a good job of protecting the people from things like social media. I mean, you look at the self-harm or the, the depression and anxiety levels, especially amongst the youth. Clearly, our kids, our youth were not taken care of. And I think that we need to be a little bit more forward-minded about finding solutions. Now, again, I'm not running for this position, but I did think, like, is there an opportunity in doing so that we could have these conversations? And last thing I'll note is that Patrick Leahy was able to, to bring so much pork home to Vermont because he served for 48 years. He won when he was 32 years old, which is how old I am now. But, uh, Joe Biden, who is going to probably be the – he's the presumptive nominee – for president again, won his Senate seat at age 30. So it's a new phenomenon in the last generation that senators and congresspeople are older. And it used to be, if you look at the uh, the age of all the people who signed the Declaration of Independence, that people were in their 40s and younger. And so I'm not saying that we should go back to that, but at least we should question it and think. And so, listen, maybe people will call and actually try to encourage you to change your mind and run. <laughs> so let's go to the phones and see what uh, what that might have, uh, what your what you're what you were thinking about might have uh, provoked people to think <laughs> good morning you're live on the morning drive uh hey rocket thanks for your insight and uh yeah i i go for it uh i just got an example real quick i work for the uh state of vermont as an assistant manager for the liquor department mm-hmm. and they closed a the store i ended up uh choice between unemployment at the labor department or an account clerk at agency of transportation and i thought i didn't want to wear a black hat at unemployment so i went to uh, play with numbers even though it was a one pay grade lower okay ended up doing uh expense accounts where i had to deal with people's money anyhow their claims so (laughs) anywho to uh, godspeed with everything and uh that segment earlier i enjoy numbers as opposed to having a deal you know, it's love your job. Love your job. All right, gotcha. Thank you so much. Um, Rocket, uh, we got to go to a break in a minute here. But so everything you said made perfect sense to me. Sure. I think I would love to have seen Rocket up on a debate stage with Bernie Sanders. Wouldn't you, Anthony? <laughs> well, I'd have paid it. I would have paid the price of an admission ticket oh, to watch that. Without a doubt. But, and it's everybody that's been salivating for the last two election cycles, if Bernie's going to run or not, that sure. think they're... There, you said something that really resonated with me. Uh, we should not think of his incumbency as destiny. Mm. But what made you go the other way? Why did you decide not ultimately ultimately decide not to do it? Well, there's a couple things. One is if I if I wanted to live in D.C., I would live in D.C. Right, and yeah. I moved to Vermont because I want to be in Vermont. And uh, another one of the things is right now. So 32, I'm just finishing law school, but I haven't. You know, I have yet to pass the bar. I'm single at this point. So for me, it's like, well, there's things in my personal life and my professional life. Um, and th- also all the things that we're going to talk about next with the Eat Vermont and this mobile app that we're building. There's a lot of things that are exciting in my life and great, but also not, I don't, I have unfinished business, let's say, in my personal and professional lives. I think that the mark of responsibility would be to settle that for myself. So I have a strong foundation if I'm to serve in any capacity. You know, I think select board, I can handle that. I, I've done that in the last couple of years. When you move up, the scrutiny goes up, but the it's, responsibility goes up. I mean, it's a really important position. And, a, and I want to make sure I honor that. It's a big, it would be a big undertaking. But so maybe, maybe another election. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, and here's the thing is that I don't feel this compulsion to have to be a public servant. Like for me, all the people I know who have the best lives, none of them have public lives. They are all wealthy and anonymous and they all pay their bills and never worry about it. They go on vacation when they want. They, they don't worry about their kids getting to school hungry. That to me is a, seems like a beautiful life and the privilege that I come from, which is an immense amount of privilege that I'm grateful for. I have that life. It's it's possible to me, let's say. And I say, like, whoa, that's very tempting. <laughs> yeah, but course. I do. So I, when I think about public service, I really think of it as a sacrifice. And I said, I'm not sure that I'm willing to go sacrifice myself yet to that extent that it would take to get up there, even though I do think that I would love to see more dialogue, uh, you know, around reimagining what does public service look like? What do we want from our public servants? Are small donors really a great thing to celebrate or are small donors small because they are broke and they can't afford to be a big donor, right? And so, you know, maybe we should get money out of politics completely instead of just celebrating small donors. No donors, right? I don't know. So <laughs> That's a tough one, but... Uh, there's many gonna, things, right? In, in any case... We'll hear more from Rocket, though. <laughs> That's right. So, right after the break. Rocket's going to stay with us. We're going to check in with Fox News. Amanda's got the headlines. we got the forecast from uh, Chief Meteorologist. Formed with your community. The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and we're continuing our discussion with Rocket. He's on the Hartford Select Board. He is, he just announced he is running for another term. He's just decided it in the last days. He also made another decision recently that he had thought about, which he was going to take on Bernie Sanders. Yes, sir. But he opted not to. I mean, if Bernie was is going to run again. Right, we don't, that's right. We Technically, don't he hasn't announced yet. Yeah. My suspicion is he's going to. Well, what so do you, if, if you were guessing, what would you say? I would guess yes, but it, I don't know. And here's the thing is, you know, I like that, for example, the governor and Bernie, who are both up for election this year, have not announced yet. I really appreciate, you know, in other states, people are already campaigning. And yeah. Campaign season is so annoying. I mean, you talk about environmental waste and you talk about a waste of everyone's time. It's like, let's let's get a little more focused here, not print so much. No, <laughs> I hear you. So let's talk a little bit about one, one thing that entered my mind. So let's talk about parties a little bit because sure. my thought was, I, I think before when you were on the show, you sort of identified yourself as a little bit of a, and you can tell me if I've got this wrong, but a little bit of a Phil Scott type Republican. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, when somebody sees a person that's um, like you're an American, Asian American, yeah. uh, on a young person, they yeah. think you're going to you're gonna be probably on the far left. Well, think, think about this. Putney School, Middlebury College, yeah. Vermont Law. That would all lead Legally to, changed my name to Rocket. <laughs> that would all lead people to think that you're coming from the far left. Yeah. But so if you had made the decision and you were seriously thinking about it, yeah, I thought would about you it. have run mm-hmm. under a party banner? Would you have run as a Republican? Would you have run as an independent? What was your thought process? Well, you see, so when I was at the Putney School, I led the student campaign effort for Obama in 2008. Now, I, I we, that's a whole other conversation, but I, let me just say that I have no regrets about it. Do I think the... What, I really like Obama for many, many reasons. I have no regrets about supporting him. I was very much an Obama Democrat in my high school and college years. After that, I kind of just floated away from politics in general, right, in my interest in it. And coming back now, I, I feel like I still believe all the same things that I believed in high school and college. But if I had, I just feel like all the labels have shifted around a little bit. So if I had to slot myself under the way that the labels are being defined, well, I'm not a national Republican, but I do think that Phil Scott is pretty sensible, pretty reasonable, and pretty aligned with a lot of my values. I think there are a lot of centrist Democrats that I know who I share a lot of values with as well. So I think somewhere in that, 
Um, I think the challenge right now is the Republican Party in Vermont is having a bit of an identity crisis in the sense that we don't know if we're Phil Scott Republicans there. or I say we. I'm not. I wouldn't say actually I'm a Republican, but they don't know if they're Phil Scott Republicans or if they are Donald Trump Republicans. And I think there's that identity crisis. I think the left, the Democrats, have the same issue. They don't know if they're centrist Democrats or if they're progressives. And I, I would love to see three robust parties. Let's make a progressive party, a Democratic party, and a Republican party. But I would love to see a little more sense and a little more competition across the board. So the short answer of what party I would run with against Bernie if I were to run, I I thought that, you know, for at first I thought I would run as a Republican, a Vermont Republican, in the, the sort of the same vein as Phil Scott. But it was made clear to me, and I do understand this rationale, that Vermonters would never vote a Repu- anyone with an R to a national office. And that actually makes sense to me. I also am not sure that I belong in that party. And then on the left, I just felt like there's no way that I would win a primary. I mean, you don't win a primary against Bernie on the left, you know, and you don't. And um, and I just don't line up with all their ideas on the left. So I thought I would run as an independent. And I thought that could be fun. Bernie, you know, was a bit of an outsider, grew up in Brooklyn, moved to Vermont when he was 27. It's like uh, I'm an outsider, grew up in California, came out here in 2007 and um, when I was 15. And so we're both outsiders. We're both outspoken, big personalities. And I said, well, running as independents kind of makes sense. And that could be a fun way to, to explore, like, hey, what's going on with these labels that they don't seem to fit anyone perfectly? And they, they've really been co-opted by the primary system. Anyway, so short answer, independent. There you go. <laughs> but I think you did nail a, a, a constant uh, subject that we come back to time and time again on this show right now is the fact that um, there there is a in the middle, mm-hmm. whether it's a centrist Democrat or centrist Republicans yeah. or, if, uh, you know, it's in, in in this area, the Phil Scott Republicans. Yeah. You know, um, that seems to be where I, th- I feel most people are. Yeah. It's just they were getting really, really pulled from from these two fringe sides. Totally, that that are really starting to kind of I don't want to say derail the system, but they really are throwing some mud in it. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, I personally would ra- love to see just like let's just get rid of parties and let's just have candidates run, right? Like uh, that for me, what's the problem with that? And there there are people I know who have views that you would never equate. Like I, I once put out on my Instagram, who supports Trump and why? Honestly, and I, I don't support Trump. But I got messages from people that were mind-boggling. Like you would never expect this astrology-loving lady, you know, who is like growing dreads and this and that, to be a Trump supporter, right? That is, I mean, maybe that's me being stereotypical, but I was very surprised by the messages that I got and and why people supported. It really humanized for me, Trump supporters. And I will say that while I don't like Donald Trump at all, I do have a fondness for Trump supporters because at least in Vermont, it takes a certain courage to say that you are in the minority position. Well, I was going to say, yeah. did you get any, how many threats did you get for just posing the question? Uh, n- none then. But That's in, good. And this is the thing now. It's like even now on the radio, I will admit that there is a certain fear in me to say any of these things, even though I'm saying I am not going to run for Bernie, uh, Bernie seat. I am not going to do these things. I am not a Republican, but I've certainly considered it. I do honestly have this fear when I walk through my life that, oh, I'm going to get criticized or that people will not even directly say that to me, but they're going to behave in a way that like they, you can see them shut down. And I think like that to me is such a loss. But if I feel that way, then certainly many people have to feel that way. But then it's like, well, then what, what am I sitting here at the microphone on the airwaves if I'm too cowardly to speak 
my full courageous truth. So I just say maybe we should just move back towards this this uh, environment, a culture where we can speak knowing that in my heart I have love in my heart for everyone and that what I want to do is find answers and I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to turn around and apologize. So here we go. We send it. But unfortunately, <laughs> you know, there are uh, free speech issues in the country now where people are do feel like what you just said. They're afraid mm-hmm. to... They're afraid to uh, put their opinions out there publicly sure. because they do get condemned but, but on both sides. It seems to happen. But uh, again, I want to make sure we don't race through that without getting to your, the other stuff you're doing. I want to get one quick comment though, from this is a VT digger headline. Yeah. And again, the, the Hartford select board you serve on uh, ends up having some controversies in yeah. a little town here. Uh, the headline is constituents condemn Hartford select board members comments yeah. about drag event targeted by bomb threat. And this involves uh, the board member, Lanny Collins. Right. So I was not present at that meeting. I was traveling back from, well, not physically present. I was on Zoom. I was traveling back from Tokyo. As I mentioned, I was traveling there over the holidays. Uh, my Here's my take on that situation. First and unequivocally, threats of violence are completely wrong. I mean, it's not just morally wrong. It's illegal. I mean, that's uh, it might be a felony to make bomb threats. So whoever that person is should probably be headed to prison. Um it doesn't matter what you feel about gay culture or this or that. I mean, to make bomb threats is abominable. Well, that's a terrible pun, or it's a good pun. I, it's atrocious and reprehensible. So that's that's how I feel. With what Lanny said, here's the thing. Lanny, if you just took a transcription of what he said, he said this is not a positive event for everyone or something like that. And, so, and one of the board members had said that it was a positive event for the community, right? And he took issue with that. Was that more or less? Yeah, I mean, the- this is like, uh, to me, this is real pettiness because for between these two members, I mean, the, the reality is for a lot of people, that is a positive event. And for a lot of people, it's not a positive event. But let's just take drag culture aside, queer culture aside, all of that aside. Let's just say it was a haunted house. For some people, that's an awesome thing. And for some other people, they would say that is not an awesome thing. I mean, it's a glorifying death and violence and so forth, right? So we have different perspectives on things in America. And to me, in my mind, the literal words of what Lanny said are accurate. What I will say that I took issue with with Lanny, and I've said this in our private select board communications and in the public meeting, is that there is a time and a place to communicate things. I'm learning that myself. You know, as you guys know, I've stepped in it a little bit. And... Definitely watching this as a third party, I'm thinking, Lanny, this is not the time and not the place. Where he is coming back, as I understand him, is he doesn't want anybody to have to tell him that what he's saying is somehow wrong or that they don't have a right to an opinion and so forth. And so that's where it's getting really lost in the mix. I think in some ways both sides are right on this and both sides are wrong. And I would say that I love, personally, I love drag shows and some of my dearest friends are gay friends. So I've spent... A, a lot of time in gay clubs, and I, I think it's, and I'm a straight guy, so I have no problem with this event personally. Uh, but I think for the queer community to come at Lanny and say this is anti-gay or something like that, and you need to not speak up, I mean, th- I think it would have been more powerful if they had told him, just reiterated, like this was a really painful and a scary moment, not just for the people there, but for people in the queer community in general. This is something we face a lot. What you're saying, you have a right to say, but we just want to let you know how hurtful that was. I feel like that would have been way more powerful in getting through to him than telling him, like, you need to shut up because, you know, this is America and that's, and he is a Vermonter. So he's going to push back and say, I don't need to do, and it's just like, 
unstoppable force, immovable wall. And I really think like this is perfectly emblematic of what is wrong in our country, left and right. It's like you guys are just sl- it's like the parents that won't stop fighting and forget the fact that they have kids that they both love. Right. 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 Or they're fighting about the kids. Right. So yeah, that, I, that's I, my I, take on it. I mean, I think both sides are right. Both sides are wrong. You know, it, but but through and through threats of violence to anyone is horrible. And, and I really do feel for the, the people who organize that com- that event. It's just to me, it really was very upsetting that that happened in my community. I don't know what I can do about it, but we have a great police force and they're they're investigating. So. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick two-minute break again. uh, This is The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. We are continuing on up to the top of the hour with Rocket. And let me tell you what. Rocket is an interesting guy, and he's always got plenty to say. And that's why we love having him on the radio. Um, but let's now talk about the other thing that you do, Rocket, which yeah. is, I mean, you've got the, the law school degree that you're finishing up. You're on the yes, Hartford sir. Select Board. you got all mm-hmm. kinds of other things. But you also do this videography stuff in, yeah. these, in towns. What's the latest? What are you working yeah, on now? I've got to start. Before we move on, I just want to one last thing that I forgot sure. to say that I, is really important to me. I know a lot of people who work on staff, Welch's staff, Sanders staff, uh, Balance staff, a lot of staffers. And I want to say, I just want to give them a shout out because we might have ideological disagreements or whatever, but I have always found them to be the utmost professionals, so devoted to serving the people of Vermont, completely unsung heroes in public service. So I do want to say that everything that I've said, we might disagree completely, but when I cross paths with these people, I have nothing but profound respect for them. So I just want to put that out there. Um, Yes, moving on to the my, my startup. Yeah. So what I what I do is I, I have a startup that we basically work in media and we which is storytelling and that's mostly through this two channels one Rocket in Vermont and then the other Eat Vermont and you can find those on Instagram and Facebook. Um, the the idea behind Rocket in Vermont is kind of my version of Charles Kuralt. You remember uh, CBS? You're he, just, he just, yeah. Oh, uh, no, not, no. it was Osgood that just passed away, but Charles Corral, yeah, you're yeah. all on the road. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Great series. That was so a great series. If Charles Corral lived in 2024 and, you know, was doing YouTube, what would that be like? And that's my interpretation of that in small Vermont communities. That overlaps slightly with Eat Vermont, and Eat Vermont so far has been media and storytelling featuring small businesses around the state. And I mean, you t- talking about unsung heroes and we, the small business owners of this state of, of all industries. But, you know, my, I'm most familiar with farms and uh, restaurants. Wow. W- what an incredible labor of love, love and an incredible, difficult lift to just survive in the state, which is frustrating for me because one of the things that makes Vermont great is the proliferation of small businesses and, and small restaurants and local food. And yet it's so difficult for people to survive. But there are some really great organizations like NOFA, like the Intervale, like the Center for Agricultural Economy out in Hardwick. Um, there's the Vermont Farmers Food Center in Rutland. So there's all these different organizations that are doing an amazing job of supporting. And we are moving in a great direction. But what we're trying to do with um, Eat Vermont is we're telling stories and then we're trying to figure out how does technology offer an opportunity or a potential to do good. And the thing is, I think of technology, the internet, artificial intelligence as inevitable. There's always been 
tribal mentalities throughout the course of human history. And every tribe trying to get an advantage over the other is pushing technology forward, right? And because of that, I think technologies like the internet, like AI, are inevitable. The question is, can we use these tools for good? Can we use them to empower people, to connect better to their local food system, to connect better with each other in meaningful, empathetic ways? And so the way that I'm really passionate about doing that is through Eat Vermont. And so that's we we tell stories and we try to uplift small business owners around state and help consumers find them. And that's been a really awesome, positive community following of about 25,000 right now and uh, and growing daily. And that's been just wonderful to be uh, an honor to be a part of. I mean, I started that back in 2015, actually in Middlebury, and just the evolution of that has been really profound and, and very moving. What we're doing now is I have a software developer who works for me. We are launching a mobile application called Stellar. And this is our first experiment in can we actually build a tool? So we we found, okay, we can tell stories and this is reaching people in a way that is meaningful to them. That's cool. Can we also now build tools that would actually be useful to people, helpful to people? So Stellar... It's, it's, we're going to be going into beta testing in just a few days. So if you want to be an early user, you can find us on eat, at Eat Vermont on Instagram or Facebook. But Stellar, here's what it is. It's like having a chef on your shoulder. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, sure. the angel and the devil on your shoulder. Yeah. Imagine if you had a chef on your shoulder. And so you have dietary preferences or needs or you're trying a new diet out. And you've got certain foods in your fridge and you forgot to go to the grocery store this yesterday. You're trying to get make a healthy recipe at home, and maybe your kid's feeling picky about this or that, and, and, and maybe that their pickiness changes day to day. You're like, okay, should you spend 45 minutes online looking for a recipe and scrolling through the, all the ads? There you or go. could you just ask the chef on your shoulder, Stellar, this mobile app, mm-hmm. which already has all this information about you that you'd put into your own profile, and of course your data is private and yeah. specific to you. And it would design recipes for you from scratch. Or based on what's in the fridge. And based on what's in so the fridge. So you just put a list and say, look, I've got an onion, three carrots, some celery, a yep. piece of chicken, yep. uh, and uh, olive oil and garlic. Correct. And, you and can it say, already knows you don't like certain vegetables. You don't like this. You right. don't like that. So it'll go out onto the World Wide Web and say, in, yeah. a, in a lightning speed, read 10,000 recipes and say, here's five you're probably going to like. More than that. I mean, just like a chef, if you had a chef at your house, he wouldn't be or she wouldn't necessarily be going online and looking at all the recipes. They're going to use their culinary knowledge to create something. You know, the other day I asked you to make me to design me a, a catfish apple pie, which I thought would be gross. But it, it designed I gotta the recipe. I got to say, it sounded gross. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it designed the recipe. And, you know, and, and it looked very plausible. You know, it said basically to prepare the catfish first and then you bake it into the apple pie in a traditional manner, right? And so it, it is things like that. You would not necessarily find a recipe for that. You can be creative and fantastical in that way. Cool. And I mean, that's a, a gross example, let's say, but there are other positive, hopefully many positive infinite examples that it's going to be able to just really tailor that to your needs but that same way you should be able to ask it like hey what you know i don't have paprika what what sort of substitutes can i use here's what i have in my pantry and it'll keep that inventory for you you should also be able to manage your grocery list so if you design a new recipe and you want to add all those things to your grocery list you can do that all in once so you can kind of like go through and, and it's really just supposed to be this way to empower people to connect better to the food that they have in their home so the same goes if you go to the farmer's market and you're like, what the heck is a rutabaga? Like, wh- wh- how do I 
prepare this thing? Can I eat it raw? You could ask the app all of these things and it should give you that advice and really just help you feel like you have that support in the kitchen. So we think this would be great for working professionals, for working parents, people who are busy and trying to cook on a budget. And that's kind of, we're rolling that out now. Very cool. And uh, we only have about a minute left, uh, Rocket. Can you tell us, are you are you getting ready to do any more of the series where you go into a town? Have you done one just recently? Are you about to do another one? I, I just released one on Bellows Falls recently. You can find that on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my The account is Rocket in Vermont. And uh, yeah, that that's Bellows Falls. Wow. It, it is a markedly different place than it was 10 years ago. And, um, hey, I, I want to thank you guys for having me here. And, and if anyone wants to try out Stellar, we are doing this in a very limited fashion, the testing. But, you know, we're giving Vermonters first access, basically. So if you find us on Eat Vermont or you can email us hello at eatvermont.com, we can make sure to get you on that list. Right. And I love watching those videos, too, because you if it's a town you haven't been in for a while, you, not only do you go into the eating establishments, but just, just you get to learn about the community you might not have been to for a while. Yeah, and I got to say, I mean, Vermont is such a wonderful place. The towns are so distinct. It's it's really an honor to do what I do. Uh, Rocket, thanks for being on The Morning Drive today. It's always interesting. He's always got a lot to say, and he's always doing some fun stuff. Thanks for having me. All right, well, tomorrow's Fluff and Stuff Friday. And we're going to hear from Chris Herrick from Fish and Wildlife. And uh, the great Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon will be with us. That's right. Only here on News Talk WVMT Burlington. From ABC News, I'm Sherry Preston. The state of the U.S. economy is strong, a lot stronger, it appears, than most analysts thought it was. With the latest on the gross domestic product numbers just released.